welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Goedemorgen allemaal. Kom ons maak ons harte stil en dan bid ons saam. Ons buig ons hoofde en gebed voor die Heere. Holy Father, our Father, we often come into your presence without thinking who you are. But we come this morning with humble hearts, realizing that you are the Lord, Yahweh, God, all-powerful and mighty. With John, when he describes in Revelations, the multitude of people before your throne, we joyfully also declare, praise, honor, glory, and strength forever and ever to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Thank you, Father, for your great liefde that you on us bewijs it, that ons kinders van God genoemd kan word. Ja, dear, Dit wat in Christus aan die kruis van Golgotha gedoen het, spreek hy ons vry en kan ons in hierdie vryheid lewe. Ons belei dat as die Heere Jezus Christus ons vry gemaakt het, sal ons waarlik vry wees. We pray that you will please touch those who are sick. Humbly we ask that you will heal them. We pray for our young people. Please help them to stand firm in their faith and be witnesses of your amazing grace in their lives. Please keep us our all as a church family, faithful and true to your word. Let your joy and love be seen in us by all. We pray for Pastor Bryant and the ministry team. Strengthen them with wisdom and spiritual insight, especially when they teach and preach. Ons bid het dat u die persoon dat die persoon wat u geroep en gered het by die gemeente sal voeg. Ons bid vir hulle wat geliefd is aan die dood afgestaan het. Vertroos asjeblief en gee u vrede wat alle verstand te boven gaan in hulle harte. Ons bid vir hulle wat worstel om een uitweg te vind in financiële omstandighede wat moeilik is. Ons bid vir hulle wat soek na uitkomst vir werk. Gee asjeblief, Heere. Vir hulle wat oor hulle bezighede bekommerd is, wees asjeblief die weg aan. Dank je Vader, dat u voor ons van ochtend een woord uit die Vader hart het, en ons beleid dat die woord die waarheid is. Daarom stel ons onszelf tot die beschikking om nou te luister wat u dier die prediking voor ons gaan sê. Ons vraag bij dit in Jezus' naam. Amen. My soul with every care, Jesus love. 
Your blood for sinners spilled, set my conscience free from guilt. Lord, your rest to me impart, take possession of my heart. There your blood bought right text for this morning's message is from Ephesians 3. Um, You can read along with me if you'd like. Ephesians 3 verses 1 through 8. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it, is now, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by his spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which has given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Our text again in the Ephesians chapter 3. We approach this passage in chapter 3. So it just reminded me the, the need that we have to appreciate what the Lord has accomplished for us as the church. It's difficult for us to realize the the greatness of God's grace towards us in Christ Jesus. And I was thinking it was difficult for this uh, first generation, the the believers at Ephesus, and to to really appreciate God's eternal plan in Christ for the church. And in many ways, it's even more difficult for us. It's easy for us who have grown accustomed to the church and uh, what the message of the gospel is, it's, it's easy for us to take those truths for granted. And so this morning, uh, we come to this uh, chapter 3, 
And the Lord, I believe, would raise our awareness and appreciation for His plan and purposes in Christ for us, the church. Because the more, really, we learn about God and His plan and what He's accomplished in Christ, the more amazed we are at His grace and the better able that we are to live for Him and to serve Him. Well, in this passage, we see this emphasis on Christ and what He has accomplished for us. You notice in verse 8, it was read, He says, To me, though I am very the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. There's only one other uh, place where that word is used, this word translated here, unsearchable. And Paul also used it in chapter 11, the end of chapter 11. And if you remember uh, in Romans uh, chapters 9, 10, and 11, he's writing about uh, God's sovereign uh, working in the nation of Israel and also in the church. And he comes in chapter 11 and shows how that those two are related and God's purpose um, to be merciful to both. And he comes to verse 33 and says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. <clears throat> There's that word there translated inscrutable and onaspriklik saivia. But that's the, that's the emphasis that we see in this passage that uh, these truths are things that are <clears throat> too wonderful for us to fully comprehend. And it's only by God's grace, His revelation given to us, that we're able to, able to know them. We're able to be able to uh, even approach unto Christ. Last week we began to see what Paul meant by the word mystery. And these truths that were previously hidden, we could say they were divine secrets uh, from God that are now revealed to us by His grace. In verse 4 you see that phrase, the mystery of Christ, the, the forborganate von Christus. And indeed, most of the, the secrets or mysteries that are revealed to us in the New Testament are concerning God's plan in Christ for the church. And we noted last time that in this section, verses 2 down through the, the end of, well, verse 13, was a parenthesis, or you could say a, a digression into the reason for Paul's suffering and why he was in prison. He says that it's because of his ministry to them as Gentiles. Notice in, um, in, again there in, in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. So Paul begins by describing his ministry as a stewardship of God's grace. This 
this ministry that Paul had of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was not only to the Jews, but in particular, primarily to the Gentiles. He uses that word there. We saw the word stewardship or administration, the oikonomia, to describe what God had charged him with, with this, this responsibility that Paul had to take the gospel uh, to the Gentile world, the Gentile nations. But we also, each of us that are uh, in God's family, in Christ, we each in our own way have a responsibility also to proclaim this message of God's grace, uh, this gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. Paul saw this ministry of grace as something that was distinct from what uh, the ministry in the Old Testament was, the Old Covenant under Moses. Uh, You can maybe later go and look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 where he he lays out this distinction of the the old uh, ministry and the ministry that we now have in Christ. And he would point out there that although that old Covenants, the uh, the law was well, had grace and glory, but he's he makes the point that this new covenant far exceeds in uh, the grace of God and the glory of God, and the reason being that it comes to us by the working and through the working of the Holy Spirit, it gives life to us, something that the law could not do. Because we all come short, we're all we are found guilty and condemned before God, and so <clears throat> this mystery of Christ comes to us. This revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fact that He paid the price for us, He died in our place for us, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could come to Him, and by the grace of God, uh, receive Him as our Savior and Lord, and that we might. <clears throat> have eternal life. And so Paul begins by describing his ministry as a revelation of Christ. This mystery of Christ came by revelation. Let's look there with me in uh, verse 3. He says, How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And so Paul says this, the the revelation of the mystery or the the divine secret of God's plan concerning Christ was, was not something that Paul discovered. It wasn't by his wisdom or his study in the Old Testament scriptures that he was able to uh, come to this truth. He says it was given directly by revelation from God. But it was not to Paul only, but also to the other apostles, and and at least in part to the New Testament prophets as well. So this revelation that was given to them is what has now been given to us in the scriptures. In our BLI class yesterday morning, uh, we heard and learned about 
the inspiration of the Scriptures. The, the, the Word of God is breathed out by God. And we learned about how that uh, the Lord, as He, through the, the Spirit of God, he, he gave to these men this enablement. And He, uh, as He says in 2 Peter in chapter 1, verse 21, He, he um, carried them along so that uh, what they wrote was His Word, was what He intended for them to write. And George uh, Kuhn, as he, he talked yesterday, he gave the illustration of, uh, uh, of leading your two-year-old across a busy street and how that you would, uh, would take that child by the hand. And, uh, and although that child was, was walking across, you, you were really carrying him along. You were making sure that he went with you and that he didn't veer off or, or run the wrong way, or something like that. <clears throat> and and, he, and by illustration, he's saying, in a way, that's the way the Lord uh, gave His Word, the revelation of God that's given to us in the Scriptures. It, these men, as they wrote, they were they were writing, they were using their 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 understanding, their knowledge, their uh, their experiences, but they were being carried along by God, so that uh, God. <clears throat> Uh, God's word was uh, recorded according to His plan, and so we have this revelation. We have this uh, mystery that's now been given to us. And as I noted last week, the Old Testament believers they did have a, uh, some insight into this coming Messiah. Uh, they they were given shadows of Christ, types of Christ. They had this promise of a, of a coming Messiah. But even the prophets themselves who recorded these revelations, uh, they were not able to know uh, what God was going to do and how He was going to do it. They, to them, it was still hidden. It was still a mystery. It's, a, it's this God's secret. But now it has been revealed. And we have now what was at that time in shadows. We now have the full bright light of the revelation of God concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we're able to read about Him and, and we're able to know Him. And, and, and the Word of God says that even through the Spirit, He's come to dwell in us. And this mystery is now uh, given to us, what a great privilege we have as the church of God, the, the body of Christ. Paul says that, he says, how this mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. And what he means by that is the, the content of chapters 1 and 2, what he's, what he's just uh, recorded for them in this letter. And, and if you remember, uh, if you've been several weeks now, but back in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, uh, there he wrote briefly about God's plan, or as we learned then, this administration is the same word that he, that he used. Uh, we saw in chapter 3 there in verse 2, this word translated stewardship. It's the same word there in verse 10, translated the plan. And so this is the the administration for the fullness of time. And so God is, 
is he's briefly revealing here that God has a plan. He has a an administration of his of his will for a future fulfillment. In other words, after this time in which we're now in, the Lord's coming back. He's going to fulfill his plan. And he says his plan is to unite all things in Christ. And he's going to bring all of the all the believers through the ages together. And we're going to be all united in Christ. And Christ will rule and reign. And even the enemies of God are going to bow at his feet in a sense, and declare that He is Lord, even though they, they do not worship Him or believe Him or know Him, uh, they will acknowledge that uh, He is the sovereign of the universe. And so Paul writes, has written briefly about these things. In, in chapter 2, you'll remember verses 14 and 15, Really, that whole section from from verse eleven down through the end of chapter two, he's writing about how through Christ both Jews and Gentiles have been brought together into this one body, making reference there to the the body of Christ, the church. And he says that the, the dividing wall has been broken down, and that the two, both Jew and Gentile, have been made into one new man. Again, referring to the church of Jesus Christ. And if you remember a few weeks ago in, in the verses 18 to 22, he uses these three metaphors uh, for this unity of the church. And he says that the Gentiles are now in Christ and that they are citizens of God's kingdom and that they are members of God's family and stones in God's temple. And so he uses these, these images that would have been very uh, striking for them in particular and how that God intended for uh, the, the Gentile uh, believers to be made one in Christ together with the Jews. And it's this specific part of the divine secret about Christ that he's going to emphasize in this passage all the way from verse 2 down through verse 12 is the emphasis of this part of the mystery of Christ. It's how that in Christ we are brought together into this one body and there is no longer a division, there's no longer a separation that we are all one in Christ. And so we have this summed up for us in verse 6, where he talks about this reconciliation. It's not only a revelation, but a, a, a revelation of the, the reconciliation that we have in Christ. We're reconciled unto God, and because of that, we're reconciled to one another. When we come to Christ, all the, all the differences, all the different cultural differences that we might have, the social or economic differences, those do not matter in Christ. We are all one in Him. Notice what he says. This mystery, he says, is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, 
partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the Gospels. Well, there's various places in the Old Testament that God reveals His plan to save the Gentiles. So that wasn't uh, new revelation that, that God was going to save the, the Gentiles, the various nations and people from all these various Gentile nations. That's re- recorded in various places. Various prophecies speak to that. But, but no one could imagine what God had in mind, that He would make the Gentiles... Uh, one together with the Jews. Uh, and that, would have, that was what was difficult for them to comprehend. He says, first of all, that they're co-heirs of God's riches. Uh, if you remember, I'm going all the way back to Abraham, this truth of an heir was very important in uh, God's plan for the Jewish nation. You remember in Abraham... He tells him, no, the one son will not be your heir, but the other one will. And Isaac was beat the heir. That was something that was kept being repeated over and over. As Abraham tried to think of a different, or think of a way in which God was going to fulfill his promise. And so this concept of an heir was so important to the Jews. And that it was through this son and, and not that one that his promise would come and then now he tells them that they are co-heirs in Christ and Paul would add in Romans 8 verse 17 that we're fellow heirs with uh, with Christ not only heirs with each other but we're heirs with Christ and that's an incredible thought isn't it and so these are truths that um as we, if you go back in the book of Acts, you realize as, as these truths are being revealed, uh, many of the Jews were struggling with this truth. And even Peter, you remember, had to be convinced that this was really God's plan uh, for the church. He, he goes on in, in this verse, verse 6 says that they are co-body members. It's actually a, evidently a, a word that Paul created. We don't find it anywhere else. Even in the uh, uh, secular writings, a co co body members, or in other words, they're they're members of us. This new body of God, this body of Christ, the church. And so, that's a again incredible thought that uh, that these Gentiles would be brought into this body, made equal parts, members of the church. And this is no doubt um, why Paul would say he had a stewardship of God's grace. Because truly, uh, it is by God's grace that any of us can uh, know God, that we can uh, be said to be in Christ, that we're heirs with Christ. Um, God's grace is magnified in His church. And then lastly, he says that we're, we're co-sharers of the promise in Christ Jesus. Again, for the Jews, the, the concept of promise was so important. Uh, this, this is something that they kind of you know, kept them going as they kept being reminded of the promise of God. The promise of God. And, 
going all the way back through their history, this concept of promise. Uh, the Jews, Jewish people uh, really look, look back to that, and Paul would remind them of that Christ is the fulfillment of this promise. In the Abrahamic covenant, uh, uh, God told Abraham that in him all the, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And we see in Christ that he is the fulfillment. He is the offspring. He is the seed who would come and bless all the nations uh, because everyone has this message now of the grace of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has come to the whole world and that when we come to him in repentance and faith, we can be saved and brought into this new body, the body of Christ, the church. For that day and culture, this was an astounding revelation. As the apostles began preaching and teaching and writing and recording this revelation from God, this is the reason why Paul in particular, because he, he was the one God used at the, at the forefront to bring this message to the Gentiles. It's the reason that there was, he suffered as he did and the reason he had such opposition from the unbelieving Jews. And it, it is a truth for us today that we need to remember as well in our time, in our culture, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. And all who believe are made one in Christ. We are reconciled together in Him. There is no division. The ground, you could say, at the cross is level. We all come as guilty sinners before an holy God. There's, there's no big eyes and little U's in the church. In Christ, we are one, and we need each other in the body to function as the Lord would have us to function. Well, thirdly, Paul talks about his preaching, the preaching of the riches of Christ, verses 7 through 9. And we're, we're only going to uh, look at the first part of uh, what he revealed down through verse 8 this morning, and then um, we'll pick up again uh, the last part of, of what he preached what his message was. But notice there from verse 7, he says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He goes on and and says, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Well, Paul says that he was a minister of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And he says it was according to the gift of God's grace. And so what he's describing here is the calling and the enablement into the ministry, and uh, we, we still use that term to talk about the ministry of the gospel as a, as, a, as a pastor, a preacher, one that proclaims the message of the gospel. And, and it's the word diakonos, and uh, some of you know that word. It's, we get our word deacon from it. It simply means a servant, 
or a minister, some, somebody who ministers to someone else, was a diakonos. And we have a diakonia, a ministry. And, and you see the emphasis on the fact that God called uh, him and he calls others into this work to minister his word uh, to others, to his people, to proclaim this good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this ministry, this work is received from the Lord and it's carried out in the power of the Spirit. And so as he talks about his power, he, it's, it's the word that just simply means the enablement. The, the enablement from the Lord to do the work. And it's not just pastors, though, that have uh, this ministry. We all, as believers in Christ, have a ministry of the good news. It extends to all believers, not in the same way, not with the same responsibilities as a pastor, but each of us who have been reconciled unto God have been given this ministry uh, of the gospel. As he would say in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so God has involved us in his work to reconcile lost sinners unto himself. He says in verse 20, there in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, we are ambassadors for Christ. And so as you think about the ministry, certainly God has called uh, men uh, specifically to a, a task of pastoring a flock of people that in a local church setting. He's called others in the full-time Christian service and ministry of the gospel. But um, we are all, in, in this sense, ministers. We're all servants of the gospel. God wants us to be ministering to one another and to those around us with this good news of the gospel. As you think about Paul, I think it's safe to say that, um, uh, that no one other than the Lord Christ himself had a greater ministry of the gospel and impact, especially upon the Gentiles, than Paul did. But what he wants to emphasize in this passage is not it was not because he was great, but because of the grace of God. Notice how he keeps repeating that in these in this uh, passage. <coughs> he says, "This gift of God's grace, which was given to me." Grace in and of itself is, implies a gift. Uh, it's not earned, but he says it's a gift, and he says it was given. And then he comes in verse 8 and repeats it again. He says this grace was given. And so Paul is, is wanting to emphasize and, and uh, promote in our thinking that the ministry that he was given was because of the grace of God. It's not because Paul was um, special or better or something like that. In, 
and, and as, we, as you hear me say that we're all ministers of the gospel, you know, the, the natural reaction is, well, I can't, or I'm not able, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. And, and the truth is, yes, we're, we are not able, but God is, and He gives us grace. He enables us by the, the working of the Spirit of God who dwells within us, and the Word of God, He enables us, just as He did Paul for His ministry. God enables us for our ministry and for the ways in which God wants to use us. In verse 8, Paul uses the superlative least. And you're not supposed to be anything less than least. <laughs> uh, by the nature of the word, it means the least that something can be. And yet Paul goes beyond that and says that he is more least. <laughs> and, and the reason being, he just wants to make this point as over again. And he had this lofty view of the ministry of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And it humbled him to think that God would use him. And Paul never forgot the fact that he, before he was saved, he was a persecutor of the church and he stood in opposition to the work of God. And he says, by the grace of God, uh, he uh, was met there on the road to Damascus by the Lord Jesus Christ and and God opened his eyes and his heart uh, to the truth of who Christ is. And God had a plan for him. And God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you as his child to use you, to those around you, for his purposes. And that work we are able to do, not because of who we are or what we know or uh, but because of the grace of God. And that's what Paul is highlighting here as he thinks about this ministry that he had been given. So, it, so as we grow in our evaluation of Christ, as our view of Christ is, is elevated in the ministry of the gospel, it's, it humbles us in the same way. And we realize afresh and anew how great the grace of God is. Paul said that his, his preaching here, he describes it as twofold. And first of all, he says that uh, he was given this grace, this ministry to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. There at the end of verse 8, the unsearchable riches riches of Christ. And we already looked at that, <clears throat> that word there a little bit, the word unsearchable. It's, it highlights the reality that apart from God's revelation, none of us could know Christ. We could not know God or desire God. But his, through His grace, He's brought this truth to us. <clears throat> He's convicted our hearts of our sin and our need for a Savior and He's opened our hearts and minds to the truth of what Christ has done for us. And in reality, we've only begun to realize the worth, the riches of Christ. And as we grow in understanding of God's Word, and one day we'll be together with Christ in, uh, in glory, 
and will continue to learn of the riches of Christ. And, and the thing that's amazing to think about is that God says that we are fellow heirs with Christ. And so that the riches of Christ become our riches because we are in Him. And so this is amazing truth that uh, Paul is highlighting for these Gentile believers. He's, he's uh, highlighting for us. And as you, as you think about Paul in his letter and the other letters that he wrote, everywhere you read, you see this exaltation of Christ. In this letter, in chapters 1 and 2, we've seen it again and again, this emphasis on the blessings, the riches that are ours because of Christ. He can't, he can't say it enough. He just keeps coming back again and again to talk about what Christ has accomplished, uh, our blessings in Christ, who we are because of Christ. And this was Paul's stewardship, his, his ministry, and we can be thankful that, that God did bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Otherwise, uh, we, would not, uh, we would not know uh, God. We would not know Christ. Uh, we have been brought into this, uh, this body, unified together as the church. Christ is the head. And so we have this mystery of Christ revealed to us in the pages of the New Testament Scripture, <clears throat> the, uh, the Old Testament was like a, a shadow, but now we have this, this revelation, this full light of God's revelation, His plan uh, for our redemption through Christ. And Paul would write to Timothy, and uh, I have the, the verse for you there in 1 Timothy 3, verse 16, Great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness. In that passage, uh, he had been writing uh, to Timothy, admonishing about godly living and so forth. And then he, then he in this verse, reminds Timothy that uh, godliness comes from Christ and through Christ. It's because of Christ that we can, that we can know God and and the reality is that righteousness is in Christ, the only place where it can be found. Uh, and he quotes evidently a hymn that was known at that time. He has six lines in this, in this uh, hymn uh, that he records there, and he describes the, and evidently he, 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 he it brought his mind to that as he talked about the, the mystery of godliness. He's still talking about the mystery of Christ. He just uses a different term for it. And this hymn reminded him, or the, the, the truth of, of Christ reminded him of this hymn. Notice the first line he says, He was manifested in the flesh. And he's simply talking about Christ's coming, the revelation of Christ. And his coming, and you remember in John 1, verse 14, where he says, And the Word, speaking of Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then he says, in this next line, he says, Vindicated by the Spirit. And vindicated, uh, speaking of the reality that 
the Spirit of God testified to the reality of who Christ is. And we see that uh, through the, <clears throat> the life of Christ, but especially in his resurrection. He is the vindication of his claim to deity, of who he is, and what he came to do. And then in the next line, he says, seen of angels, speaking of Christ's exaltation. And you remember Paul would write in, in uh, Philippians 2, verse 9 and 11, he says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of the Father. That's God's plan to, to exalt Christ. And His plan for His church is that the church would exalt Christ. And what we teach and preach, what we sing, what we do, how we live, uh, not just on Sunday, but as we go to work tomorrow, as we're in our homes, that our lives would exalt the name of Christ to the glory of of the Father. And then the last three lines, it may have been a, a separate stanza because he comes back to the, uh, to the life of Christ again. He says, he, and he's proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taking up in glory. And speaking of his ascension. And so we have this, uh, this truth of the mystery of Christ. And I hope that as we've thought through these verses a bit, that the Lord has increased your awareness of this great grace of God that's come to us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and who He is. It's easy for us to lose sight of that, isn't it? As we get busy in our lives and dealing with the problems and the troubles that we have, it's easy to, to forget the bigger picture and how we fit into it. The bigger purpose of the Lord uh, that God has in Christ and how, how we have a part in that as members of his body. I, I heard a story about a man who was going by a construction site and, and he was wondering what, what they were building and he goes over and talks to some men that are working there, and he comes to the one, the one man, and he says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm laying bricks. And so he goes on to the, the next guy, and he says, what are you doing? And the guy looks at him like, well, isn't it obvious? I'm mixing the mortar. And so, well, he goes to the third, the third man, and, and he says, what are you doing? And the man stopped, and he, and he stood up, and he had a gleam in his eye, and he exclaimed, I'm building a great house. And you see, that's the, that's the point. This third man had a, had a bigger vision, didn't he? He wasn't just doing his own thing. He was part of something bigger. And the Lord wants to remind us this morning that we're part of something much, much bigger. The eternal plan of God. And we are part of it in the church because we are in Christ. We together are able to to serve Him. And so God wants us to, to, to live our lives in such a way that we reflect this purpose of God in the Lord Jesus Christ and that He has brought us together in the church and that we together 
regardless of who we are, what our background is, man, woman, poor, wealthy, whatever our ethnic background is, we are brought in together into this body so that we together can exalt the name of Christ and bring glory to Him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the revelation of the truth that we have recorded in the Scriptures for us. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ and how that we have a revelation of who He is, what He came to do for Your grace that's been manifested to us. Lord, thank You for the church. I pray that You would continue to build Your church, Lord, and Help us as your children uh, to reflect your glory, reflect your plan in Christ. Lord, may, may those around us see our love for you and our love for each other in the body uh, so that um, Christ becomes attractive to them because of the love that we have for one another and that you have accomplished only what you can do by your grace, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close the service reflecting on the love of the Father and sending His Son and opening our eyes to the beauty of the gospel. Let's stand together again, please. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns His face away, as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, His death and resurrection. Why should I gain from His reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, His wounds have paid my ransom.